0: Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, lead pastor of Alive Church Orange County. To find out more about Alive Church or Pastor Derek, please visit alivechurchoc.org or derekdunn.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform at Alive Church OC or Derek Dunn OC. That we start, and so we want to position ourselves for great things in 2024. But not only do we have great expectations for what's going to happen, God has great expectations for us. I got two amens on that. Tell your neighbors, say God has great expectations for you. Come on, I know the sun's not out in Orange County today, but come on, help me preach today. All right, <laughs> what is an expectation? An expectation, I put this up for you, is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. An expectation is a belief that someone will or, sh- or should achieve something. So we all have expectations. We have expectations of people. We have expectations of God. And God has expectations of us. We have expectations. When you go to a restaurant, what do you expect? Good food. <laughs> Come on, if I'm going to pay for something, it better be good. And so you expect good food. When you go to a restaurant, you expect to not have to do the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> you expect that someone's going to give you good service, that you're going to have a, a waitress or a waiter that's going to give you good service. There's an expectation, and, uh, and, and that's why we go out, because we all like to be waited on. So can you say amen? amen. amen. We have expectations at work. Yeah. You work 40 hours a week. Many people. Some people work more than that. Entrepreneurs work 70 hours, so they don't have to work 40. Yeah. <laughs> But what's the expectation? As you work, what, are you doing it just for fun? No, get a you want a paycheck, right? And so we work because as we work and we exchange our time, we exchange our time for dollars, and we get a paycheck. And come on, we enjoy that, all right? Yeah. We, we expect that as we go to work, it's a safe working environment. Yeah. If you work in office, an office, you hope it's rodent-free. Come on, you're not there typing away and mice are running around your feet, there's an expectation that what the people are going to do their jobs, and you're going to do your job, and you're not going to have to do their job. There's an expectation. At home, there's an expectation. At our home, there's an expectation. You pick up your clothes, and you put them in the laundry basket. Yeah. My wife doesn't like clutter, and you know we tend to come in, and as we walk in, our stairs are right there, and we put our bags down and put our things down, and she'll, we have a family text. She'll be like, this is not a storeroom. There's an expectation. Put the stuff in the closet. As you came this morning, there's an expectation as you're driving. How many of you drove to church today? What's the expectation? If there's a green light, everyone should be moving, not on their phone. If people are on their phone and the light turns green, what happens? People start honking. When there's a yellow light, what's the expectation? Slow down. And when there's a red light, the expectation is you should stop. We had One of our members over Christmas got T-boned because the, the light turned red and someone ran the red light and her t- light turned green and bam, smashed into her. Why? Because they didn't follow the expectations of what the law was. And they got a big ticket and their insurance company's going to have to pay a lot of money. So we'll discover that, that we have expectations for people. We have expectation for circumstances. We have expectations towards God, but God also has expectations of us. And the way that we respond to God's expectations and bring our life in order to his word, to God's expectancy, will determine how the blessing flows in our life. Yeah. And we call that obedience. Yeah. Exodus 19, verse 5, I put it up for you. The Bible says this. Now, if, that means there's a, there's a requirement. You can or you, you can choose not to. You can choose to do it or you can choose not to. He says, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then what happens when we do that? We can have an expectation. It says, out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Isn't that beautiful that God says that we are his treasured possession? But what's the requirement? That we're in a covenant with God and that we walk in obedience to him. In Leviticus 18 and verse four, the Bible says this. It says, you must obey my laws, God says, and be careful to follow my decrees. He says, I am the Lord, your God. The word Lord there means master. It gets real quiet, especially in our American Christianity because we're very independent. I, can, I live in a free country. I can say whatever I want to say and I can do whatever I want to do. But that's not true. There's still laws and there's consequences. You can go out and live how you want to, but there's consequences. And sometimes we don't like the consequences. That's why many people, they're going to therapy, they're going to, in, in, into you know counseling many times, and I'm not against that. It's good, it helps us. But why? Because they made wrong decisions. They went through things that caused pain in their life, and now they're having to work through it. But if we just listened to our parents when they said, don't touch the stove, we wouldn't get burnt. Yeah. Are you here this morning? Yeah. Jesus said it in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, in the words of Christ. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, And you do not do what I say. So many times we can say God is our God. Jesus is Lord. We sing our songs, but we don't do what he says. And many times that's the problem with the the church. I'd say the global church in the world is, is the world looks at us and they call us hypocrites. Because they know what the Bible says and they look at the church and we don't live the word. We don't walk in obedience. We don't have integrity in our business. We, we, we don't have faithfulness in our marriage. And they see no difference, and so they call us hypocrites. And the church has lost credibility. But what's the solution? We've got to get back to the Lordship of Christ. We've got to get into the Word and obey the Word. Whatever the Word says, that settles it in our life. And the Word Talks about every area of our life. It talks about relationship. It talks about how to manage money. It talks about business. It talks about how to raise our children. It talks about how to deal with government. In every area of our life, God's given us 66 books of the Bible right. to help us. And we need to get in our Bible reading, amen, and know the Word. And Luke 11, verse 28, Jesus replied. He said, blessed, which means to be empowered, to prosper. Blessed. Blessed. Rather are those who hear the word of God and they obey it. How many of you want to prosper in 2024? Yes. We want to be blessed. We want to be successful. But what's the key? We've got to not just be hearers of the word, but be a doer of the word. Yes. We can't just pick and choose. And there's some things in the Bible that are a bit hard. And certain things in the Bible when it says to love your enemy, that doesn't come naturally. You know, you want to give them the fivefold ministry. But you realize that's not the fivefold ministry. That's not what he's talking about. Are you here? He says, turn the other cheek. He says, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. He, he says, to treat others and esteem them more highly than you esteem yourself. All of these things in our natural ability are very difficult. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit is there to help us. And so as we start out this year, God has great expectations for us that what he wants us is, we learned last week in our candlelight service, to be the salt of the earth. Yeah. To believe the light of the world. That, that we, we make a difference. In our world, we make a difference in our family. We make a difference in our workplace. We make a difference as a citizen of our nation yes, amen. because of God on the inside of us. Amen? And some of us, as we come to the, the end of the year, maybe we're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Maybe we have disappointments in this year and there's things that we want to accomplish that we haven't yet accomplished. Can you say amen? Amen. And so we can sometimes begin to have those things and wonder, maybe we're in the midst of a trial, maybe we're going through a storm right now, maybe the economy's been difficult and inflation and all these things happen with our children, we're dealing with different circumstances, we're dealing with different problems, we get a bit discouraged, but as we step into 2024, what is God's expectation of us? Just like Chris said this morning, we'd be like the athlete that's running for the prize. How many of you know, you know, we look at Michael Jordan. He, he got kicked off his high school basketball team. But he became the greatest basketball player of history. Because what did he do? He kept training. He kept training. He, he went out there and kept throwing the ball and throwing the ball and missing and got coached. And, and, and had people that helped him to where what? Now he could throw the ball and make it look so easy. He doesn't even look. And he just, he's got the motion down. But he went through training. An athlete must train. An athlete must work hard. And and sometimes we go through pain to develop endurance. So in the midst of our storms, in the midst of life, in the midst of circumstances, what is God doing? We went through a terrible time in COVID in the last few years. It's been difficult for many people. But what is God doing? He's wanting us to be dependent on him. He's wanting us to to live our life according to his word. He's wanting us not to be like those that built their, their house on the sand. And when storms came, the house came tumbling down. But what? We built our house on the rock of his word. We built our house on the rock of Jesus Christ. Come on. And the storms still come, but our house stands because our foundation is in God. Come on. Give the Lord a shout. Amen? As a Christian, we have to go through challenges. Sometimes the evangelist says, you know, come to Jesus. You'll never have any problems. Come to Jesus. Everything will be wonderful. They didn't tell the truth. Come on, because we still go through difficult lives. Some people said everything was okay. Then when I got saved, all hell started breaking loose. Yeah, because now you're in the kingdom of light. Now you can make a difference. Now you're a, you're a son of God. And now God is wanting to, to work in your life. He's wanting to develop your character. He's more interested in your character than your comfort. And that's the gospel. And so what is he doing? He's working perseverance in us. How many of you learned to persevere through some things? I've learned to persevere in business. I've learned to persevere through challenges with family. I've learned to persevere with other people. But what is that doing? It's building strength on the inside of us. Sometimes we feel a little bit weak. Sometimes our goals haven't come to pass, but we still have joy. I love what Patsy wrote to, to Chris. It doesn't matter whether I have a million dollars or I or have $13. I'd rather have a million. Amen? Yeah. Some of you are not sure. <laughs> Because money solves a lot of problems, but there's a lot of people that have money and all they do is have heartache and and despair in their lives. Are you here? Money is not our God, but money is a tool that helps us to, to do things and transact. Are you here? But our joy doesn't come from what we have or what we don't have. Paul said, I can abase, I can abound, but in all things I've learned godliness is contentment. And God's working perseverance in us that we can, we can have joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We can have peace. And everyone's worried, you know, who's going to be you know, elected next year? Who's going to be the next president? And everyone's asking, is it going to be Trump? Is it going to be Biden? And, you know, and all this stuff's going on. I don't know. I don't have a word. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter. Right. Because our life is not dependent on what's happening. There were good kings and bad kings and things coming. And, and we need to vote, you know, our values. Yeah. But we're not dependent on this world system. Come on. We're, we're, we're living life in the kingdom of God. We have a different kingdom that we live on. Isaac sowed in a land of famine, and he reaped a hundredfold. In a land of famine, most people aren't sowing. What are they doing? They're hiding out, trying to not let anybody know that what they have. But he was out there expanding in faith. And and so the kingdom of God works differently. The joy that we have is not based on what we have or what we don't have or keeping up with the Joneses or the car we drive or the square footage of our house. But it's based on our relationship with God. And we're living with eternity in our heart. In Hebrews 5 verse 8, the Bible says, Though he was a son, speaking of Jesus, it says, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. I don't like that verse. Come on, but it's in the Bible. I wish we could learn other ways, but sometimes we gotta learn through suffering. Pain is more a motivator than pleasure. Think about it. Until the pain of remaining the same outweighs the pain of change we don't change. Yeah, right. Are you here? Yeah. And so sometimes pain's a motivator. And so God allows us to go through things not for our destruction, but for our benefit. Yeah. So that we can come around and get out of the place where we're not grumbling and complaining, but we're looking at the things that we need to adjust. And as we bring our life into alignment with God's word, with his kingdom, yeah. blessing begins to flow. Through the things we suffer, what happens? We surrender to God. Say, God, I can't do it anymore. And God says, finally. God, you do it. I'm tired. God says, okay, finally. (laughs) Let me do it. I've been waiting on you to let me do it. Are you here? And so God will do it through us. And and it's not that we sit around in our pajamas and just pray and God will do it. No, no, No. We got to work. God's going to do it with us. He's going to work with us. But we're doing according to his plan. Unless God builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. Yes. And, and we're, our trust is in God. But there's also security. We sleep well at night because we're not stressed. Everything we have, we're just stewards of what belongs to the Lord. Amen? And so we have great expectations. My expectation is 2024 is going to be our best year yet. Yes. Are you here? You say, well, Pastor, you say that every year. I do, because I have expectation. You know, in 2020, I said it's going to be our best year yet, and everyone's saying 2020 we're going to get better vision. How many of you know we did get better vision? We learned what's important and what's not important. When things were shaken, we learned the importance of family, the importance of church, the importance of relation, the importance of God. When all of our movies and our popcorns taken away, and all of those things. We learn what's really important. Amen? And so in the midst of everything, no matter what 24 throws at us, we know that God is faithful. Amen? Amen. So what does it really come down to? To see the blessing of God, to see the prosperity of God, to see God's word coming in our life, it really comes down to having order in our life. Someone say order. Order. Order is important. Order is honestly everything. Because when things are out of order, d- destruction comes in. When people's finances are out of order and they don't have a budget and they don't know how to manage their income and their outcome, you know, their income and their expenditures, it's a mess. When businesses don't have order, it's a mess. Yes. Are you here? Yes. We could have the greatest product ever. We could have the greatest service ever, but things are out of order and things are a mess. Yeah. So what is order? How many you know there's order in all things? When you load the dishwasher, there's an order. You don't just throw the plate and the bowl and the cup in there and just find it, squeeze in there. What's going to happen? It's going to break. Yeah. So you have order. There's a place for the silverware. There's a place for, you know, your, your cups and your drinks. There's a place for the, for the plates and all the women are super happy. Yes, Pastor, tell. There's an order. When things are out of order, it doesn't get clean yeah. and things break. There's order when you go to the grocery store. You have the produce section, yeah. and things are cool there. They had the cool mist, and, you know, I got wet the other day. I was grabbing some blessed, some vegetables, and the thing went all over I was like, it was on high. I'm like, holy, you know, <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> that's it. But how many you know you don't have the meat? The meat is in the meat section, and there's coolness there. You don't put the meat next to the toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. Right. Why? That'd be out of order. It's not good. It's going to spoil. Yeah. But, hey, it's a grocery store. No, there's an order and things are there. Why? Because different things need different environments. In your refrigerator, there's an order. There's a, a section for vegetables. There's a section for fruits. Come on. There's a place to fit different things. We don't just throw it in there. Hopefully not. And we have to organize things. In our home, there's order. And I mentioned that. Order and things. We don't just throw stuff everywhere and, and leave stuff around. Why? We, we put things in order. In education, there's an order. You don't start... You know, in kindergarten, and start off with calculus. Yeah. You learn addition. You learn subtraction. You learn multiplication. You learn division. You learn algebra. You learn geometry. And then you go to calculus and trigonometry and all the other stuff. And my son's an engineer. He's taking all that stuff. And I'm like, thank God I'm not an engineer. Amen? Amen. But there's an order to think. You build upon it. You, you learned your ABCs. Come on. And then you start spelling. You start, there's an order to it. We don't just jump into it. We're like, oh, I have a call of God. I just want to jump to level 10. No, no, no. God wants you to have order in your life so he can develop you and bring blessing in your life. Order matters. Amen. Are you here? Yes. And here's the truth. As we have order, what's God's expectation in our life? As he wants to bless us, as we want to prosper, God's order is this. He has to be first. God doesn't play second fiddle to anyone else. He's God. He's the creator of the universe. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He he, he wants to be worshipped. If God's not first in our life, then the rest of our life will be filled with disorder. I didn't get any amens on that. If God is not first in area of our life, what happens? Disorder comes. Some people, they have problems in their relationships because their life's out of disorder. They don't want to do relationships with the Word of God, so what do they do? Looking for love in all the wrong places. They don't follow the requirement. You know. If you're looking for a woman, read Proverbs 31. <laughs> the Proverbs 31 woman. That's what you're looking for. If you're looking for a man, Proverbs 31 talks about that man, too, that empowers the woman. And, and they're both doing business and doing life together. And, and find a godly man. Know that God's your matchmaker. Come on. Yeah, not, not some app. <laughs> Are you here? I'm not even going to go there. I didn't say that in the first service, but I could get sidetracked. But can we trust God? Yeah. In order. Or what happens? We get out and we start, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places and start breaking God's laws. And what happens? We get into a mess. Insecurity comes into our life. And and destruction comes. God has an order in raising our children. When our our, our family's out of order, what happens? Our kids are crazy. I know some pa- you know, parents in there, kids are in there yelling at their parents and I want this and you better give it to me I went to a field trip one time with my my daughter and she's in elementary school and and the girl had a hissy fit and took the food and hit her mom I wanted the ham sandwich you got me the turkey sandwich and I'm like that was my kid you would be fasting lunch today come on (laughs) are you here and what happens? You know, that person grows up and becomes 25 and gets married and oh, pray for the husband. Are you here? Things are out of order. We have to learn life doesn't resolve around us. My girls are my princesses. My son's a, a prince, you know, and we treat them well. But guess what? The world doesn't evolve around you. We have to learn to serve and all my kids are serving and they're, you know, good and, 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 and you know they're, they're blessed. But there's an order. There's a value system that we have to impart. There must be order, and God has to be first. If God is not first, he won't be anything else. So we cannot afford for God not to be first, because if God's not first, he's not gonna be involved. And whatever area we allow him to be first, he'll be involved in. Blessing flows. The areas that we say we're not gonna put God first, and we wonder why we have problems... So many Christians struggling with debt, struggling with poverty all the time because they don't put God first. In marriages, they don't put God first. They wonder why their kids grow up and 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 you know they backslide. Seventy percent of kids backslide in college. Why? Because they stop going to church. Why? Because they stop going to connect group. Education is important. Get education. All my kids are straight A students, but guess what? They're in the house of God on Sunday. Unless you're sick or out of town or have a function that's really important, you're in church. Yeah. Right. Say amen. amen. Why? Because there's an order. Yes. How can we say God's first and church is a hobby? Wow. Wow. Are you here? Yes. I don't want my kid to be a statistic. Right. I want my kid to continue to walk with God. And the Bible says this in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first God's kingdom. Seek what? Christ. First. First. God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What does it mean to seek God's kingdom first? It means you put God first in all things. We put God first in all things. Seek God first, and as we seek God first, order is there and blessing will come in our life. So in our life, as we end 2023, it's a great way to evaluate where we're at. It's a great day to examine ourselves. Maybe some adjustments seem to be made. Maybe things are out of order or maybe things are in order and we just need re- to reinforce that and we're not seeing the results yet. But be encouraged because if God is first and we live according to his word, God is not a God that lies. He's going to perform his word in our life. Amen. Amen. It's only a matter of time because God will honor his word. Amen. How do we put God first in our life? Four firsts for 2024. i want to give these to you. Number one. The first of the day, see God. Very practical. How do you get God first? When you get up in the morning, see God. Don't just read the news and get depressed. Come on, don't look at Instagram. Look at Facebook or TikTok or whatever, or, or look at all your emails and all of that. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I have hundreds of emails. I have texts from all around the world on my WhatsApp. My wife's so nice because her business, when we're sleeping, Singapore's working. She wakes up with hundreds of stuff. But, but what do we do? If I just get involved in my day, the day gets away with me for me. I get a little overwhelmed. And I'm not saying be legalistic. Come on, you can get up and brush your teeth first. You can get up and take a shower, have your coffee. Come on, when I do my time with God, usually I'm drinking coffee. Thank God for coffee. Amen. 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 I'm not not talking about being legalistic, you know, when you open your eyes, you just have to, but many times, sometimes my wife, and, you know, she'll text me, are you awake? What's going on? And I'm, like, spending time with God, getting my heart right, getting my mind right, getting my focus right, and I find when I do that, my day enters better. How many of you know, you know, exercise, when you exercise in the morning, you have more energy? Some of us remember What do you do? Because you get the blood flowing, you get your endorphins flowing, you get the hormones going. And what happens? You have energy. You think most people think you're going to be tired, but not, it, it spurs you up. You know, sometimes I exercise at night and, and I get my second wind because what's happened? The blood's flowing, and, 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 and what happened to all the nutrients are brought to your brain, and, and, and it's healthy. Yeah. Say amen. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> So as we're starting out, it's not being legalistic, but it's putting God first. David said in Psalm 63 verse 1, he said, Oh God, you are my God, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. What is he saying? I get up early because I need you. When you get up early in the morning, what do you, usually you're hungry, right? Ready for breakfast. You could have had a, I'm not, oh, I'm not even going to eat tomorrow, you say. You wake up hungry. Why? Because that's that's what gets our body going. It's our metabolism going when you're doing it. But David relates it to spirituality. That God, I need your presence. I'm gonna wake up early. I'm gonna seek you. And you know, how many of you are are not morning people? Come on, let's be honest. How many of you are more night people? Come on, people. I used to be a night person until I had children. Then I became a morning and a night person. (laughs) You know, you have no morning and no, you have to get up and send them to school. But Nighttime, you know, I like the night. I usually sleep late because people stop texting me, people stop calling me. There's not distractions. You know, when I wake up, things are just going. But but I realize it, it, I would spend time in, in, at night and do my devotions at night. But I would go through my day tired. I would go through my day overwhelmed, and then I'm coming home and coming. I want to read the Psalms because I got identify with David and <laughs> all his frustration. But someone said this, start your day with a proverb and end with a song. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Start your day in the presence of God. Because when you do that, what happens? You set your focus. You set your mindset. You you set your heart to walk with God that day. When I go to work, I say, okay, come on, Holy Spirit, let's go. You're the senior partner in this business. Jesus, you're the builder of this church. And I was up this morning praying before anyone in the house was awake. Why? Because I need God. I need to to, to encounter God before you can encounter God. Are you here? And so time matters, but priority matters. Order matters. What do we do? In business, they tell you knock out the most difficult tasks first thing in the morning, because that's when you're fresh. Come on, don't do it after lunch. What happens after lunch? We feel lethargic, we feel tired. You're best in the morning. So tackle your major tasks in the morning, and it's much easier to get them done. If you try to plan for the afternoon, what happens? You usually procrastinate and push it all. We'll push that till tomorrow. Are you here? You learning something? What's so special about early? It sets the tone of our day. So first thing you do, seek the Lord. Mark 1 verse 35 talks about Jesus. This is very very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place. And what happened? He prayed. I mean, when it's dark in the morning, it's early. He got up and he began to pray. We look at the miracles of Jesus. We look at the healings. We look at the great parables and the teachings that he had. But don't look and not see his devotion life. He had a spot in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was there. But wherever he was in the world, he would go a little farther and he would spend time with God. Before anyone else speaks, he heard God. Before the rest were awake, before creation woke up, before the sun rose, he was spending time with God. Because when you seek him first, what happens? God's there. He said, well, I can pray on my lunch break. I can pray in the evening. Yeah, but there's something about putting God first. In the morning, are you here? It changes us. It changes our perspective on our day. And I realize I have the grace. I have the anointing. I have the the focus to accomplish the challenges of the day. Because why? I've been with God. And you have to plan it. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And sometimes we miss a day. But if you miss a day, do it the next day and get back into it. Come on. We started, and Pastor Susan preached a a little over a month ago about our Bible reading, and we have a Bible reading plan, and we started the Bible reading plan, and everyone's so excited in the first two weeks, like, oh, I've been reading the Bible. It's amazing. But after about six weeks, I haven't heard a lot about the Bible reading. (laughs) Some of us, maybe we're on day eight, but we should be on day 60. I got real quiet here. But what do you got to do? Just start again. Make it a habit and get into it. As we go to the gym, you know, Patsy was uh, working at Lifetime. She was telling me they're all gearing up because the beginning of the year, their gym is crazy. I got an email. We're open on the first to serve you. And everyone's like, it's a new year. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to be healthy. And the first day of the year, everyone's at the gym. The second day, everyone's at the gym. By the third day, it keeps going down. Come on. Why? Because when we start something, there's a motivation. There's the potential. But as we keep doing it, what happens as we get into the discipline? uh, Maybe I'll take a break today. I'll take a break tomorrow. And what happens? You break the habit. Are you here? So let's not just get into the hype of New Year's resolution. There's nothing against that and planned goals. But but let's get into the focus of putting God first. As we put him first in our day, he'll lead us through our day. You learning something? Number two, and we talk about first, the second first, the first of the week, set time aside to worship God. Prioritize worship. Prioritize church. Prioritize the community. If you're a part of this church and this is your church family, get involved in your family. Get involved in serving one another. Get involved in community. Join a connect group so you can grow together and, and have someone who's there supporting you and you can support other people. That's what the church is about. It's not individualists. We're just individual people. But we're all members of the body, the Bible says. Everyone is the joint and we supply and we nourish each other. Many times people say, well, I feel dry. I feel God's not around. Because you haven't been around. Many times God speaks through his people. I've had people talk to me and walk at me and say something, and it's the third person to say the same thing. I don't need a prophecy. I don't need God to speak to me audibly. He's speaking through his body, he's speaking in the mouth of two or three witnesses. All things are established, and we love the gifts of the Spirit. And tonight, we're gonna pray, and, and, and we're believing God for words from heaven for the new year and over people and all that. But don't live your life that way. Get connected to the body. Much of life and health and life comes by just being connected because you're being nourished by the body of Christ. Are you here? In Acts 20 verse 7, the Bible says the early church on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. They came together in the community. A shocking statistic is this. 48% of American churchgoers only attend church once a month. And we wonder why people don't know the Bible. We wonder why people aren't living because we're not connected. We're just trying to clock in to make sure we're still okay with God. But is God first? We've got to put God first. Are you here? The genesis of the church, you see something very different. In Acts 2 verse 46, it says so continually daily. Someone said daily. With one accord in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. There was a connectivity there. They didn't clock in once a month. They were there in the synagogue, and the temple, worshiping together, and they were connecting throughout the week at a Starbucks. Come on. They didn't have Starbucks, but you get the point over a meal, in a connect group. And what happened? People were getting saved throughout the week and they were being salt, they were being light. And then what did they do? They invited the people to join the extended church family on the first day of the week and they would come into the time of worship. That was the early church and the church thrived and the church grew in the midst of persecution. They were still strong. There was no need among them. You know, I came from a church of 32,000 people. And I, I lived that scripture because guess what? If you needed a doctor, we had many doctors in the church. We had many surgeons in the church. If you needed a, a psychiatrist, we had psychiatrists. You needed a psychologist, we had psychologists. You needed a plumber, we had plumbers. You needed a financial planner, thousands of them. And in the church, all the needs could be met for people. Are you here? Because the church came together, it was godly people you could trust, and, and there, there was a need. It was met within the church. That's the power of the church where we come together and we take our individual skills and all the things that God's given us and we use it. Yeah, we can in the marketplace make money, but then we can serve one another with what God has given us. Amen. They devoted themselves. They ate together. They met together. They did life together. It wasn't just a once a month activity. It was a priority we need to make worship a priority. Come on. If you're in town, be in church. Yes. Even when I travel, usually I'm in church somewhere. Why? Because it's my habit. The Bible says Jesus' habit was going to the temple. So make a habit. Make it a priority. Come on. If sports becomes the priority, what's going to happen? God's not first. And I'm not against sports. If, if, if just pleasure, well, I'm just going to have time with my family and all that becomes priority. Come on. you got six other days. You can come for nine o'clock service and be out at 11. It's not about priority. Oh, I overslept. I know some people, we had nine services at one time. People say, I've overslept for church. There's no way you could oversleep because we had two services on Friday, three on Saturday, and all the way up until four o'clock on Sunday. Come on, say amen or omi. Oh me. We've got, we get better when we begin to, to need each other and not needing and being codependent, but interdependent because God's put different things in every single one of us. Hebrews 10 verse 25, Paul says this, Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Come on, as we start out 2024, let's put God in our priority. Let's put God first. Begin to, on the first day, of the, week, uh, of the First day, seek God. Yeah. At the first of the week, worship. Number three, at the first of the month, tithe. Amen. Thank you for those three amens. Amen. We worship God with our tithe. God's not asking for 90%. He's asking for 10%. Yeah. The Bible tells us in Leviticus 27 verse 30, Give a tithe of everything from the land, whether of grain, from the soil, from the fruit of the trees. It belongs to the Lord. And the Bible says it is holy to the Lord. What is a tithe? It's the tenth. The Bible says it belongs to the Lord. And let me tell you, if we don't give our tithe, we're robbing God. There's one person I don't want to rob. It's God. Are you here? And we struggle. People say, Well, I you know, I don't believe the tithe, it's scriptural, it's it's old testament, it's not in the new testament. The tithe was pre-law before Moses gave the, the tithe. Abraham was tithing, right. Jacob was tithing, Isaac was tithing. It was honoring God for his blessing yeah. in their lives. Yeah. Jesus commended in the New Testament the, the Pharisees, he said, one thing you do right, you tithe. Mm. Are you here? But how can we say we love God, I surrender all, and you can't even give God 10%. Think about it. How can God be first in our finances? God cannot not be first because we need him. And let me tell you, where we're heading in our economy and things are happening, you need a covenant with God. Because let me tell you, I trust God more than I trust the Dow Jones. I trust God more than I trust Congress. I trust God definitely more than I trust our government in California. Are you here? Yes. But if we're not in the covenant with God, why is there not blessing? We're always toiling. We're always struggling with debt because we're not in a covenant with God. There's no order in our life. Yes. And it's not just about giving to God. It's about putting him first. The Bible calls this the first fruits. Yeah. When there's increase, what do you do? Immediately honor God. Yeah. Don't get to the end of the month. Oh, it's the 28th. Oh, my gosh, I forgot to tithe this month. God wants our heart. It's not about our money. It's about the honor that we honor him as the source of our blessing. And I grew up, I've been tithing since I was a young man. I used to mow lawns and get paid only $20 to mow the lawn. And my mom would say, make sure you give your tithe. And my $2 was in church and probably a little bit more. We've raised our children, our children, as they had allowance and money would come in or they'd get money at Christmas or things. They would always tithe. They're all working now. They get their checks. They're like, how much do I need to tithe? I need to make sure I tithe. And they're, they're tithing and they made a lifestyle of it, of, of honoring God. And they're blessed. Sometimes my kids got more money in their bank account than I do. Come on. <laughs> they have less expenses. But, but they're blessed and they've learned to honor God. But we do it not out of compulsion. Again, God has to be first. You can bring your time. People are tithing grudgingly, and they wonder why they're not blessed. Because it's our heart. we got to do it because God's first. My family is my priority. Come on. I don't grumble. Oh, my gosh, three kids, four kids. i got to buy Christmas presents. Here's your present. What kind of Christmas are we going to have? I'm cheerfully looking to bless them and, and do things together because you love them. I don't give my wife and say, I'm married. It's been 20 years, so here's her 20-year present. She'll throw it back at me. Come on. I can buy my own present. But when it's given with love, we can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, each one. Someone say "Each each one. You should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly not under compulsion. That's why I say if you don't do it cheerfully, don't tithe. Yeah. I'm not telling you disobey the word of God, but you got to get your heart right. Yeah. It's not just about doing something grudgingly. Yeah. Because God wants to be first. Yes, right. If he's second, he's third, he's not priority, he doesn't accept our offering. Cain and Abel, both brought a tithe. Right. The Bible says one God despised and one God loved. Why? Because one was given. It was the first fruit. It was the best. It was given out of worship. The other one took, well, I'll take 10% of the least of the worst and gave it to God. It wasn't the first fruit. And God despised it. We've got to do it with the right heart. Each one give as you decide in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful is hilarious. What does it mean to be hilarious? It's out of joy and abundance and excitement because we love God and he's faithful to us. Much of the giving in the church usually comes in in the month of December. Why? Because in America, we get our tax deductions. And that's okay. Thank God, it's a blessing. But what if we didn't get a tax deduction? Would we still give? Maybe one day our government takes it away. I don't know. Are we still going to give because we honor God? Or are we just doing it because we don't want to give money to the IRS and it's a write-off? What if January, we came and we give to God? We can give at the end of the year because of all God's done in his faithfulness. But what if January, before God's done one thing, we give just because God is first. Before he's done anything, we honor him because he's the head of the church. He's the Lord of our lives. Are you here? The first of the week, of the day, excuse me, seek God. The first of the week, worship. The first of the month, tithe. The first of the year, fast. Fast. As we come into the new year, take time to fast. What is fast? It's sacrificing nutrition for the pursuit of God. It's denying ourselves physical nutrition for the purpose of pressing into the presence of God. People fast for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes they're fasting to pray for a sick one that they could be healed. They're they're fasting because maybe they have a big decision to make and and they need clarity and they're having a hard time hearing God. We fast because we want God's presence in our life. All those things are great, but, but take time to fast. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5, verse 16, it says, "'So I say, walk by the Spirit, "'and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh.'" For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. One translation says they're at war with each other. So you have the flesh on one side, and you have the Spirit on one side, and the Spirit's desiring God. It's desiring His presence. It's desiring to please Him. It's desiring to walk in His purpose. But what is the flesh? The flesh is the lust of the eyes. The pride of life, the deceitfulness of riches, and we're seeking all those things. What does your flesh like to do? It likes to eat, sleep, and have sex. Got real quiet here. And those desires and the right boundaries, there's nothing wrong. The Bible talks about feast, but feasting. The Bible talks about, you know, relationship, and sex is a blessing in marriage. Are you here? Those things are great. But what happens? If we're just living for the flesh, what would happen? we become gluttons. Because our flesh just wants satisfaction. We just want to sleep. And sometimes, you know, I love the vacation and the holiday time, but I'm kind of like, we were talking to Chris and Patsy last time, like, I'm ready to get the year started. Because after a while, you start getting a little lethargic. Sleeping in and eating too much and just being around, like, come on, let's get back into some purpose. Some of you are not ready yet. Come on, it's going to be January already. It's great to rest, but come on, what are we doing? We're resting, resting, resting. Why don't we get lethargic? And what are we doing? Just living for our next vacation? And not doing life and not being purposeful. We're just trying to escape from things. So we need to get in purpose. We need to discipline our flesh. Come on, we need to get back in the gym. Get back in it. My wife's got to go to Singapore in January, and I'm my diet's already planned out, my regime's already planned out. I already got my food plan. And why? Because I'm gonna be super disciplined. Are you here? I hope I'm not the only one. Why? Because we, we got to discipline our flesh. Are you here? And there's this battle going on between what we want to do or not to do. To give or not to give. And, and, and we, there's a battle that's going on. But as we fast, what are we doing? We're disciplining our flesh so that we can give ourselves over to our spiritual desires. Moses fasted 40 days, 40 nights, and he received the Ten Commandments. Elijah fasted. He got breakthrough for the nation. Jesus himself fasted as he was tempted in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights. Don't get worried. I'm not going to ask you to do 40 days. That's something supernatural. But what does it mean? Denying our body, devoting time to God, makes your spirit more in tune with God's spirit. It doesn't move God. It moves us and it sensitizes us. Are you here? There's conflicts that are happening. Discipline your, your, your body. The Spirit is what? Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in a life. Now, if you have health issues, you maybe can't do a full fast, but you can put things in a perspective. So we want to fast for the right reason, because we want to be led by the Spirit in 2024. We want to hear God's voice. We want to know God's leadings. Can you say amen? So Joel 1 verse 14, it says, Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. So as we come into January, you know, we usually do a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year. We've done that for years as a church. And some people fast Instagram, social media. Some people fast chocolate and and all these kind of things. But this year, we want to be very focused. And we just felt we didn't want to do that. We want to do a biblical fast. And we want to call a sacred fast. The leaders will be fasting. If this is your church family, we want to encourage you to fast. We're calling a three-day fast January 8th for 10th through the 10th. So give you time to have time with your family, celebrate New Year's, and when we get back into things, Monday the 8th through Wednesday the 10th, we want to do a fast. If you can fast, just do water, do a full-day fast, all right? If you can't, do do liquid, if you need to take something or something. But let's let's do a fast. If you have health reasons, do what you can do. But let's all come together, and in those three days, we're going to be fasting, but we're not just going to be fasting, we want to fast and pray. Because if you just fast and you're not seeking God, it's a diet not bad, but it's not, there's no spiritual significance. So what do we want to do? We want to pray. So every morning at 7 a.m., Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to be having a 7 a.m. Zoom prayer meeting. We'll make the link available and you can jump on Zoom. We're going to pray together. Instead of having your breakfast, go and pray before you go to work. And then in the evenings, we're going to be having an in-person prayer meeting, depending on the crowd, either here in the main hall or in the vision room, 7 p.m. at night. So Monday and Tuesday, there'll be a prayer meeting. On Wednesday, starting January, the second Wednesday of the month, we're going to be having our second Wednesday services. So this is a time... We want to come together. It's going to be a worship night. I'm not going to preach as long as the message on Sunday. We'll, we'll share something significantly that God's speaking, but but the focus will be on worship. The focus will be on ministry. The focus will be on, on that. And many of our connect groups, we don't have worship leaders in all the connect groups, so we want to come and strengthen the spirit life of the church. Uh, we can learn to worship God on Sunday morning. You know, we have time constraints. We've got kids that need to eat, and you know, we got two services back-to-back, back. but have a time we can come in from 7 to 8.30 and come and we're going to be having our, 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 our midweek service. It's also an opportunity for you to invite people. You might have people that can't make it on a Sunday. Invite them on Wednesday. And so the second Wednesday, someone say second Wednesday. Second Wednesday. Wednesday. There'll be no connect group meetings, all combined connect groups here in this place, opening it up. And so we want to launch this at the end of our three days of prayer and fasting. We're going to come together and pray that night, consecrate uh, uh, our Wednesdays to the Lord and end off with a big bang. Amen. In a good way. Come on, give the Lord a shout, amen? So I want to invite you to to be a part of that. Someone said this, and I put it up for you in closing. If you want what you've always had, do what you've always done. But if you want something different, change the order in your life. Someone said it this way, it's insanity to think that if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get a different result maybe this year as we end the year there's certain things that are out of life in our family it's out of life in our relationship it's out of life with our children maybe our business things need to be some order needs to come in that, that god wants to speak to us in our finances whatever it may be this year we want things to be different we got to change the order Sometimes we're waiting on god god's waiting on us are you here that's why people hop church because they hop, they get planted, and God starts working in their life, and and starts giving, challenging them, and then they, I don't like this, so they let's go to the new place, and we become like a potted plant. We take a little pot, and we and we take a little pot, and we go here, but we have no roots. We don't allow people to get into our lives, and we never grow. But the Bible says that we're we're planted. And the house of God will flourish in the house of God. What are the changes that God's wanting to bring? What are the areas that God's really not first? doesn't mean we don't love God. We can love God and we put God first in some areas, but other areas, He's not first. Come on, God wants to be first in every single area of our life. Come on, God wants us to be more faith-filled. God wants us to prosper in all things. And let me tell you a secret. God's already first. we don't put him first it doesn't change him being first right. we just miss out he's always been first before there was the heavens and the earth God existed right. Amen. before he created man in his image and were beautifully made God had an image he didn't have an insecurity problem he was God are you here before sin entered into human existence God was first he was Planning A plan of redemption for us. So he's always been there. He's always been. He always is. He always will be first. He's preeminent. He's supreme in all things. But if we don't put him first, we miss out. Are you here? God doesn't want us to miss out. God wants to be first in every area of our life. Amen? What are the areas that we need to bring order into our life? Come on, let's make a decision as we move into the new year that we're going to make, put things into order, that we're going to put God in the, in the right priority in our life. And as we do that, what's going to happen? We're going to prosper. So what do we need to do? Number one, for first, the first day, first thing of the day, seek God. How many of you want to make a commitment to see God first and thing in the morning? Amen? Seek God. Number two, what do you need to do with the first of the week? Get in church. Get in connect. Be connected. Get into a connect group if you're not connected. The sheep, you know how the sheep get taken out? They don't get taken out when they're always together. It's the wandering sheep that isolates himself that the wolves take him out. Thirdly, At the first of the month, tithe, honor God. God says, prove me in this. If you honor me, if you're a cheerful giver, I will not bless you and open up the windows of heaven. But don't do it out of compulsion. Don't do it out of fear. Do it out of love because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. And number four, what do we need to do at the first of the year? Let's all fast. Let's come together. Let's seek God. Let's come and be committed to pray, committed to fast, and set the focus for our year. Come on, as we do that, it's going to be our best year yet. Come on, you believe that, give the Lord a shout. Amen? Come on, let's all stand on our feet right now. Come on, I want you to just lift your hands. I know God is speaking to you because He's been speaking to me as I prepare this message. Maybe there's certain things that are out of order or certain things that you didn't have faith to trust God in in 2023. Come on, begin to pray right now. Begin to ask God. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. That this year, you're going to put Him first. In every single area of your life. Come on. For those of us that maybe we're putting things first. Come on, let's we're gonna be committed to stay the course. Let's not grow weary and well doing. Maybe we haven't seen our breakthrough yet. We haven't seen the faithfulness of God yet. But the Bible said we will see the faithfulness of God in the land of the living. God is not mocked. As we sow, we're gonna reap, as we honor God. God will honor us. Come on, lift your voice. We're gonna talk to God right now.